So Vinny, welcome to uh, our show. Uh, so in terms of introductions, I'm so excited to have you. Uh, Vinny, you're a distinguished researcher, award-winning author of several books. Uh, the ones I remember is SAP Nation, New Polymath, New Technology Elite, and I like in particular Silicon Color. Um, and I think you've done an amazing job demystifying the whole digital transformation and automation and technology trends, which is in particular why I thought it would be great to have a conversation. And you've interviewed hundreds of executives and, and uh, technology experts on your blogs and, and, uh, and videos. And I thought I'll turn the table today and I'll ask you some of the questions that you probably asked your, uh, uh, your guests. I'd love to tap into your immense expertise. Is that okay? Thank you for having me, Tomas. And yes, so long as you're nice to me, I'll answer any question. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Let's start with an easy one. Uh, maybe uh, for those who don't know you, uh, a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, so, you know, you gave me a nice introduction. Uh, let me tell you about some other personal stuff. So I have been to 70 countries in my travels. I um, have two wonderful kids. Today is my 30th wedding anniversary. I have two wonderful kids. One one is in the hospitality events business and one is in software. So hopefully that rounds out. You gave me a nice introduction. There's a little bit of, about me. Congratulations on the anniversary. Fantastic. Uh, so what I'd love to start with is uh, you, you talk to so many people in all kinds of aspects of technology. And we're in the middle of the crisis. I know you, you uh, wrote a lot about the acrobatics, as you call it, uh, what happened in this crisis. But if we step back specifically to digital, what do you think changed? What do you think in terms, in terms of digital transformations in the middle of COVID? About you and I have been in the industry so long, we know this is not, digital is not a new term, right? I mean, if you go back to the 2000s, that decade, you'd get, we had already gotten tired of consultants coming in and saying, if you don't this, you're going to be get, become like blockbuster and border. I mean, those two terms were used over and over again because of what Amazon and Netflix did. Then what I saw in the last decade was um, Karl-Heinz Streibach, who was the CEO of Software AG, uh, asked me to help him write a book on digital enterprise. This was 2013. So I saw a lot of big companies. He introduced me to 30 of his biggest customers, Coca-Cola, GE, Nissan, and I saw them doing some very, very big digital transformations, supply chains, shop floors, Industry 4.0. They were already, they were already talking about that in, you know, Daimler was talking about that in 2013, right? So there are a lot of big company digital transformations were happening. In the last five years, we've seen that become more mainstream and <laughs> become more horizontal, right? So people are adopting SaaS, people are moving to cloud infrastructure, RPA has taken off. So it's been more horizontal. What has changed in the last three months, Tamas, is all that has got is accelerated, the horizontal stuff. So, you know, so work from home, it's clearly shown that cloud is a better uh, option than on-premise. We've seen video traffic just explode with Zoom and other platforms. But the more exciting thing is we're seeing vertical processes get digitized, right? right? So we've seen telemedicine take off. We've taken mobile banking take off. We've seen last mile logistics take off. Um, uh, drive through mobile technology. 
every aspect of most industries is starting to be, the edge applications in every vertical industry have started to become um, touched by digitalization. So that's the exciting thing. It's not all good. Let's talk about some of the things that are not very good, but very exciting time for digitalization. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think uh, I've seen a lot of the same things, and and I like I said, I particularly liked your comments about acrobatics. I think uh, a lot of a lot of companies uh, took the opportunity of the crisis to either go one of two ways: either accelerate these activities and put them on hold. And I think the jury is out, but we anticipate some of the ones that are are faster in adoption are going to succeed uh, better. What are the kinds of technologies you're particularly excited about? To your point, we've seen a lot of these technologies emerge over probably the last 10 to 15 years. So what, what is it that you say that that's really exciting, has a lot of promise? Well, I think, I think to me, the vertical applications, edge applications, right? So somebody in the healthcare department, healthcare area told me his health system in San Francisco was 2% outpatient would use tel- telemedicine. Within two months, it had jumped to 50%. Now, he said, you know, it's not going to stay at 50%, but I can assure you it's not going to go back to 2%, right? So we've seen, obviously, the whole um, mobile banking has taken off. It was all, always there, but it's really taken off with people not safe, feeling safe about going into branch banking and so on. We've, we've already, you know, we've always enjoyed, I, I shouldn't say always, but Amazon's been around for 15 years, we've had goods delivered home. What we've seen dramatically increases groceries and food get delivered at home, right? So last mile logistics to do that, the Instacarts of the world and Uber Eats and all that have made it dramatically different. So all those need applications, need technology. And so that has been exciting to watch how, you know, different industries are solving their last mile issues, their customer facing issues. Um, you know, I mean, we're going to see acceleration, right? In the last mile, we're going to see drone deliveries. We're going to see autonomous vehicle delivery. And, and, and so all that will keep accelerating. But even in the B2B space, we're seeing, you know, Microsoft HoloLens be used in remote field service. So all kinds of new technologies but everything with a vertical focus. You know, if you if you ask me, uh, is ERP helping a lot in this crisis? I, sure, you need that. You know, you can't operate a big company without that. But the real exciting stuff has been in the vertical applications. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So that's probably a subject for SAP Nation 4.0. <laughs> well, SAP is doing its own uh, vertical applications. Right? They told me. Um, when the crisis started, you know, a lot of Americans were stranded around the world. A lot of Germans were stranded around the world. They built for their, uh, you know, foreign relations office. I forget the name of the uh, German name for that, but they built a website for them where German citizens who were stranded could register. And then German government arranged for charter flights and so on. And they built that in 24 hours. So, you know, I mean, SAP has its own examples. They've done a lot of acrobatics in this time frame. But it's been, again, in the vertical areas. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, 
So, so maybe, so, so I agree with a lot of those. I mean, verticalization, I used to be at SAP, as, as many people know. So I remember vertical has always been a focus, and I'm seeing this across a variety of providers, uh, even all the way to, uh, to Salesforce and, and others. So I, I think this, that's definitely a development. So, so that's real. What do you think is hyped too much in, in this when it comes to digital transformation? I, you know, I think, I think um, two things. One is... Um, I'm afraid that people will use this digital, everyone's talking digital transformation. And forget that you cannot neglect the physical aspect. Let me give you a couple of examples. Starbucks is starting to move to a concept of smaller stores drive-through only. If they're not careful, the reason Starbucks was successful was not just because of its coffee. It was the experience, right? Digital nomads like to go there and park there, use the Wi-Fi, Others went there for the music. Others went there for it's a social gathering place. In fact, Starbucks's branding used to be we're the third place. You have home, you have office, you have us, right? If they're not careful, they may take it too far and de-emphasize the physical aspect because you know they don't have to pay for the real estate, they don't have to pay for internal cleaning and so on. But they may be losing the experience, right? So. Uh, Universities are looking at distance learning. A lot of students enjoy the campus experience, right? So you got to be careful. I think what we need to aim for is parity, right? The physical and the digital experience has to become equal. So you know, your kids, my kids, if you if you are sick one day, they should be able to get on the distance learning, and they should feel like they're in the class. Right now, it's very disjointed, the physical versus digital. And I'm afraid we're going to de-emphasize digital because the real estate costs and people costs of physical, and that'll hurt them. So we have to start thinking in terms of omni rather than just digital. So that's one thing that I think is getting hyped. The other thing that is getting hyped a little bit is cloud applications did do well in work from home, right? But... You can move legacy applications to cloud infrastructure. You don't have to move to SaaS. In fact, moving to SaaS is not cheap. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to move to SaaS because of implementation consultants and so on, right? So I think that may be a little getting a little hype that, hey, look, you move to cloud. Well, different flavors of cloud, right? So till they can solve the, make the implementation maybe two months, and as much as possible remotely, uh, it's going to be tough to just tell people, hey, move to cloud, SaaS cloud, right? So I think th- there's a little bit of hype over there, too. Hey, uh, as, as, as somebody once said, uh, cloud is just somebody else's computer. So it, it's, it's true in a way. <laughs> it's been phenomenal to see how the cloud has scaled, especially the infrastructure, the e-commerce, the video traffic and all that. I mean, it's held up. We haven't heard of too many blips in the performance there so that that is good to see yeah absolutely so it's interesting uh you mentioned about di- uh, the digital and analog world and, and a lot of companies pulling back i was talking to a you know i work a lot with investors so now they believe they should pull back investment into physical infrastructure because people learn how to work digital to your point healthcare learn how to do things remotely versus physical and what's interesting about this is is uh, one conversation that keeps coming up, would you pay the same for a digital experience than an analog? So in many industries, like school systems, 
we pay premium for physical education? Would the digital change the pricing? Would the whole value proposition change for services completely delivered digitally? Same with telemedicine. We expect that to be 20, 30 bucks a month to get uh, telemedicine services, but it's not what we expect for a doctor's visit. So have you, have you seen that pricing change come up in discussions? Not not quite yet. I mean, but, you know, the, the, the question is, can you position it as, don't just think of the cost of the call of the doctor. Think of the amount of time you've saved, right? Right now, yeah. the physical experience of going to a doctor is not very pleasant. They're never on time. You've got to fill out paperwork each time. If telemedicine can take that away, the commute and the paperwork time away, it suddenly becomes, they'll pay a premium not premium, but, you know, almost parity with what, they, they, you know, the convenience factor they'd be willing to pay a little bit for. I think for distance learning, maybe a little more difficult because, you know, there's a benchmark called University of Phoenix. So yeah. if, if a school wants to charge 50000 a year and Phoenix is only charging 10000 that may be a little more difficult. So I think it'll be industry by industry, you know, people's perception of what value they're getting from the digital experience that will drive the price. Banking, on the other hand, I mean, I, I don't know how many people enjoy bank banking. Um, the older demographic needs it. But, you know, you and me, the convenience of mobile banking has been around for several years. So, um, you know, so I think it'll be case by case. Now, baseball, I don't know if it'll ever be digital. Right. Football may become more more digital. Soccer may become more digital. So I think it's case by case. Agree, but uh, I think to your earlier point, and certain some of these some of these uh, symptoms are probably not trends. Like maybe telemedicine will revert back to more more of an uh, on-premise delivery of services. Maybe a or, or, or different mix. Well, so it's not quite there, but I think it's going to happen. Uh, let me give you two examples. One is. Um, geography-specific, and one is industry-specific. Japan is going through a remarkable digital transformation. You know, Japan's always been a culture where it's highly industrialized, very advanced, a lot of robotics and so on. But business is still very personal, right? So you got to do a lot of meetings, uh, you know, a lot of bowing, a lot of dinners at night, and that is changing. They're moving to video very quickly, Right? Uh, somebody was telling me contracting there, you know, everything had to be printed in a certain form and it had to be tied with certain bows and very, very, almost a religious experience. They're thinking of moving to e-signature, right? So that's going to be a dramatic change, but it's happening. Uh, this this gentleman said, he said, I, I didn't think I would see it in my lifetime. It's starting to happen in three months, right? So that's one, one example. Another example is mortgages, right? It's amazing. Home mortgages have been on fire in this one sector, which has done very well uh, in the last three months, is people are refinancing. Now, you cannot refinance without closing. And notaries are required to physically witness the signature. Well, some of the crazy stuff they had to do, like they'll drive into their car into a garage, and the person will be sitting in the car next to them, signing or they are in the porch outside. It's called porch witnessing. Some of the crazy stuff, that's going to get replaced with digital. Right? So some things will move quickly. Uh, you know, the barriers are social or 
legal and we'll overcome them. So, but you know, this is, I mean, we're just seeing a remarkable amount of change. It's interesting. So, so you, you spoke with so many executives and so many companies, obviously I follow your blog. Uh, uh, is, is there a way to generalize how companies dealt with the, not just the crisis, but the opportunities around technology in the crisis better and worse? I mean, are there patterns you can highlight without obviously naming the, uh, the companies themselves? I would say two categories of companies have done very well in the last three months. One is those that have been investing for a while, right? So Amazon has been investing heavily in its automating its distribution centers. I mean, it is a marvel. You go in there, you see the Kiva robots running everywhere, the miles and miles of conveyors, uh, the AWS stored uh, storage information of every item. Just, it's amazing to witness. So they've already, it didn't happen overnight. They've been doing it for five, six years. And this helped them in this crisis. You know, they could reprioritize and say, I'll only ship necessary medical equipment and so on. They, they could do it with some keystrokes, right? Every other company had to go through all kinds of hoops to be able to even think about doing that. So that's been one example. Walmart, uh, another retailer, different, has introduced towers in its stores where you go in and you scan your order um, code and this robotic uh, tower delivers you a box with the product. And then they have a grocery pickup um, that they've invested in, like 10, 15 lanes. You place your order. It gives you a time to come. You go in there, and they have they load the groceries into the trunk of your car. Again, they they were not as far ahead as Amazon, but they had already started this a year or two ahead, and it's really helped them. Walmart's e-commerce used to be weak. It has taken off in this, in this crisis. So those are... Uh, Chick-fil-A, you know, you're in Atlanta, right? Chick-fil-A had already invested in drive-throughs that have two lanes. Most people only have one. They had two. And what they've done is they've actually taken most of their staff out. So not only are you driving through, they are, they're walking up to the car and taking the order. Somebody else comes up to you and takes your payment. And, and, you know, so they moved the entire operation outside. And you can see because of the hygiene needs, they moved all the hygiene, the disinfectants and all that under a, under a tent outside. You know, But they were prepared for the physical infrastructure, right. and so it was easy for them. So that's one, one category. The second category has been those that have jumped at the opportunity. So VC told me about a portfolio company that used to sell healthy snacks at airports and at corporate cafeterias. Well, that died overnight. Overnight. And he says, he says, you know, I would have thought he would have laid off 80% of his employees. But the guy basically said, no, I'm going to go to hospitals and sell my same stuff. I'm going to go to the schools that are still open because their cafeterias have been closed and sell the same stuff. And he managed to get back 80 to 85% of his revenues like that. Right. So some those who have been entrepreneurial and have looked at the new opportunities that have opened up are doing pretty well. So, you know, I, I, I am amazed at companies that are doing well in this time frame. It's uneven, though. You know, mortgages are doing well. Home loans at home, real estate is doing well. Commercial real estate is not doing well. 
you know, you can, you can, uh, uh, RV sales are up dramatically, used car sales are up, but Uber is down. You know, every one of the examples that I could give you that is doing well, I could show you two or three others that are not doing well. And, you know, I, it, it's tough to say they weren't prepared. Quite often, you know, I mean, they're, they're encumbered with, Hertz was encumbered with too much debt, even though they could have done something acrobatic. The financials just weren't going to work out. So I, I don't think it, you can't just give credit to one company and malign another company. I mean, it's, this has been a huge shock for everybody. Yeah, it definitely was. To that point, uh, I know you, you deal with a lot of executive teams and, and CEOs. So my last question was for this conversation is, if, if I have to talk to a lot of CEOs, and one of the questions that comes up is, how do we take advantage of this this coming out of this crisis? How do we put our company ahead? What is it? What is it that we need? We should take advantage of when it comes to technology. Obviously, they're they're looking at all the potential and all the all the uh, all the gamut of technology. To your point, uh, what do I want to focus more? I, what I'm seeing is, you know, CIOs are looking at it as almost like a three phase thing. So short term, there's a lot of survival revenue-focused um, investments because it's you gotta get you gotta get revenues going again, right? So that's a survival mindset. That's why the vertical app, edge applications are coming in and so on. Second is stabilization, and then third is growth. So you know, look at the portfolio of investments from those three perspectives, and you will find short term you have to make very different investments than you thought you were going to do at the beginning of the year. Uh, so if you were if you were thinking of doing an ERP refresh, unless you can do it remotely, you know that'll have to be more in the third category going forward. So you know that that's that's one thing I would I would recommend they do very clearly lay out what is absolutely essential short term, what can be pushed off a little bit, and what needs to become long term. Okay. The other thing I think I would encourage them to think about is. Um, you know, two, two, two more perspectives. One is, you know, do we want to become dependent on a new set of vendors going yeah. forward? Do we want to depend on Amazon logistics? If I'm a grocery chair, a store, chair, chain, do I want to become too dependent on Instacart? If I have a lot of cloud, do I want to become too dependent on Azure? Whatever, right? I mean, the risk is we will put too much emphasis on what is working short term. So, you know, have the flexibility to say, I may go with Instacart now, but let me look at two or three other options, maybe some of my own captive options, right? Um, the, the other thing I would, I would tell them to do is to, you know, to not outsource too much. I mean, one of the big things that has come out of this is we outsource too much. Our supply chains are very, very complex. And so when one node breaks down, as we found out, it could be a Chinese supplier. It could be, you know, even in the U.S., you know, the food industry has been dependent on meatpacking. And so we have we have outsourced a little too much. We need to think about bringing it back. I know as a financial person, you don't like that because that turns some of these costs from variable to fixed. But we, we need resilience. And, you know, resilience will need some investment. The You know, the third thing I would say is, I'm hearing from too many executives, this is not a one-time event. You know, the recovery will probably be a W, there'll be flare-ups and repeats and so on. 
So plan on, you know, don't just throw out your work from home protocols, improve on them, right? Work from home, if you talk to a lot of CIOs, they'll say, oh, it was, it was wonderful. Well, it was wonderful, but you didn't look at the issues that your employees faced. You know, they were working with their kids at home. They were competing with their neighbors for bandwidth. Look at their infrastructure needs. Look at their family needs and so on. Uh, same thing for reopening protocols, right? It's been very complex for companies to reopen. Improve on them. Don't just throw them out, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of things that uh, I'm advising CIOs on that this is not a, it's not just a simple traditional IT scenario planning um, situation at all. But on that note, uh, thanks a lot, Vinny, for some of these insights. It was so great to have you here. And uh, we'll take some of this advice uh, in, into our recommendations. Thomas, we could spend hours on this. That is so, I mean, I've learned so much. People have been very generous with their time. Happy to share. Thank you. On that note, I want to thank you so much for joining me today on this uh, video. And hopefully we can dive into some of these topics with you sometime in the near future. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Talk soon.